Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I want to go straight to the scripture this morning because there is a word from God for you, his people today. Exodus chapter 3. I want to read three verses of scripture. Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Um, It says this. Exodus 3, starting at verse 13. Uh, Then Moses, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your father says sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I want to speak to you this morning from a message I've just entitled, what's in a name? Can everybody say what's in a name? That wasn't everybody. Everybody say, what's in a name? What's in a name? Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you so much for the power that is in your word. I thank you that this word is sharp. It is active. It is living. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and able to divide even between soul and spirit. Father, we're asking that you would come and breathe on your word. I pray that as your word is preached, both here in the room and to those online, It would be mixed with faith. And I thank you that that faith under your anointing is going to transform lives forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you so much, team. Hey, can we welcome everybody joining us online right now today? Welcome to Nation Church Online. Hey, I just have a question for you all. Um, have you ever met someone before? Um, I, how many of you know that first impressions are pretty important, right? Um, have you ever met someone before and um, and they ca- and they sort of kind of casually, maybe in their introduction, they're telling you the story of maybe someone that they've interacted with, but that someone is maybe of great prominence or, or great importance. It'd be kind of like if I was like, hey, on my way here to Australia, in the Qantas Lounge, uh, I bumped into Chris Hemsworth, and we talked about his picture with Quakas together. Um, if I said that to you, and I said it casually enough, Um, If you were smart, if you had a little bit of wit about you, or if you were a little bit naughty as an Aussie, um, you'd be like, hey, let me pick up that name you just dropped. Like, uh, let me get that back to you. There's a a phrase in pop culture just called name dropping. It's whenever you sort of covertly sort of drop in a name in a casual way, and you do that in order to inspire questions because you really want to tell the person about this great experience maybe that you have had. Um... There was some months ago for my birthday, my wife had surprised me um, and we, we got on a plane. It was like the surprise trip. Like she woke me up that morning. She's like, all your stuff is packed. We're going on a trip. I'm like, best wife ever. And so we go uh, to this city and she's trying to make us reservations at this really nice Italian restaurant. But we cannot, we didn't know you have to call months in advance. It's like this top restaurant in Las Vegas. Um, but we have a friend who knows the chef, the 
owner of that chain of restaurants. And so he gives us a special number to call. And my wife calls that number and is like, hey, like, hey, I know this chef. And she mentions a name. And that name gets us not only a reservation, but a same day reservation and not just a reservation. I mean, top treatment. You would have thought we were Michelle and uh, Barack Obama walking into that. You know what I'm saying? And so we go. I mean, the manager comes and they like, I mean, they roll out the red carpet. They alter the menu to suit our desires all because of a name. My children, they are awesome except for whenever they're not. My children are obedient except for whenever they're not. And so if, if the nanny or the babysitter or whomever we leave our children with that night for date night, um, if our children start to act outside of their nature, all the nanny or the babysitter has to do is say, mom and dad said and all of a sudden at the mention of our name all of a sudden our children kind of snap back into reality and they remember who they are and they remember who we have raised them to be can I get a good amen all because of the power of a name can I tell you this there is power in a name but there is all power in his name can I get a good amen so, so the idea here, what's, what's in a name? I need you. I feel called to challenge and charge you, Nations Church, both online and in this room. I need you to be a name-dropping group of people. That whenever the enemy becomes, becomes a problem in your life, whenever the enemy shows up on the scene, that you begin to profess and begin to drop the name of God. And you're like, and like so the enemy comes and he tries to, like, riddle you with, with, with doubt or discouragement or sickness or disease that you would know that the name of my God I'm just drop a, real, a name real quick and I'll let you deal with God on this because I don't have time for you I, 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 I feel impressed to, to, to challenge you to remind you that there's power in a name but there's all power in his name see in the Bible in Bible times um, names were not selected haphazardly or, or, or randomly. It was extremely intentional. Because the name, one theologian says, the name represented the whole person. So it could be said that the name was the person. Thus a change in a person's character, destiny, or status was often marked by the change of a name. There's a guy in the Old Testament, his name was Abram until he encountered God. And then God changed his name from Abram to Abraham or Abraham because with that encounter with the Lord, there was a change of his destiny. There was a change in terms of his future and his calling. So God would oftentimes mark these moments with the changing of a name. Abram wasn't the only person. There's a guy named Jacob. He was the great, he was the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac. And whenever God encountered Jacob, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel or Israel. There's a guy in the New Testament, Simon. He encountered Jesus and Jesus said, no longer is your name going to be Simon for now I shall call you Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It was a changing of his destiny. It was a changing of him realizing that he's had this Jesus encounter. God was so 
so intentional about the names of his people. And so, so, so in the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Hosea. And God tells Hosea, I want you to name your first daughter No Mercy. Hosea's like, come here, little No Mercy. How are you doing, No Mercy? I mean, literally, read the Bible. And then his son, his son, he told him to call his son. I want you to call your, uh, your son, uh, not my people. <laughs> so it was no mercy and not my people. <laughs> and these were prophetic declarations in God's correction to the nation of Israel. So, so I need you to understand this. If the names of men, if God was intentional about the names of, 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 of humans, how much more would he be intentional about the names that he has assigned to himself? Why is this relevant? Why has God sent me all the way from Colorado Springs, Colorado to preach to you, Nations Church, both in this room and you who are watching online, wherever it is that you are watching from? Is it so that you can feel better about yourself and add to your intellectual knowledge about God? It is not. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up and, or makes you arrogant. This is not so that you can become more arrogant. The, the idea is this, that, that, that in every season of your life, no matter what storm you may be facing, no matter what hurdle stands in front of you, no matter what Red Sea that God may be calling you to cross, it does not matter what sickness or disease or diagnosis has been spoken over you or what emptiness that may be plaguing your life, what provision you may be needing. There is a name that is associated with the uncreated God that reveals and releases releases the power of his nature and character to change and transform your life i'll say it another way for the people in the back there is no evil or pain on earth that god does not have a heavenly antidote found in one of the names of god i mean isn't that good news today see proximity brings power but distance creates distortion if I serve God at a distance, things can oftentimes become distorted in terms of who God is and who God wants to be in my life. We were never called to follow God at a distance at a, with, with a distorted reality of who God is, our image, our perspective. We were called to come close to him because the closer in proximity we are, the greater power that's released and revealed in our lives. As you, Nations Church, draw near to God, here's what I believe the intention of God is for you, that you would draw so close to God this year. That you'd be closer to him than you've ever been before. That James 4, 8 would become your reality as you draw near to God. Realize this, God draws near to you. And as you come closer to God, I believe that God is going to reveal more facets of his nature and his character to you. The result will be this, a wielding of his power against the enemy in your life, which is not people, by the way. People are not your enemy. You have one enemy. His name's Satan. Okay. The Satan. Okay. And Lucifer. Beelzebub. Okay. So, so, so not people are us. So Proverbs 18.10 says this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. 
the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Whenever you are in a strong tower, a place of refuge, a place of safety, it does not matter who is firing against you. It does not matter how much firepower they have. It does not matter how many guns they have. It does not matter how many. Whenever you're in a strong tower, you are untouchable. They think that they're actually harming you, but they are not because you are in a strong tower. The Lord says, that's when my name is supposed to be in your life the name of the Lord the nature of God the character of God is a strong tower the righteous run into it and they are safe he is my place of safety he is my fortress he is my refuge does anybody know God to be a refuge and a very strong tower in your life if so can you give him praise nation's church come on 11 a.m. service online or in the building come on Psalm 111 verse 9 says this, holy and awesome is his name. Psalm 8 and 9 says, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Majestic is pertaining to actions that show great physical power, either natural or supernatural. Here's why we're studying this this morning, because understanding the names of God gives the believer greater access into the power of God revealed in that name. I'll say it again. (laughs) Understanding the names of God gives the believer greater access into the power of God revealed in that name. It's one thing to hear about God being a healer. It's another thing to know. No, his name is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you of all of your diseases. It's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to step into the reality and the refuge of that name. He's my healer. He's my healer. He always has been and he always will be. Come on, the healers in this room right now. I come against every sickness, every disease that may be plaguing your body right now. And I speak the reality of Rapha over you. I speak that fresh oil that comes from Jehovah Rapha. Our healer for the son of righteousness is arising with healing in his wings right now. According to Malachi 3.10. And so this reality I speak over you that you will know him as a healer in your physical body and in your mental situation as well he's still a healer today church amen it's one thing to know about it. it's another thing to know his name and experience the power of that name now back to our text exodus chapter 3 moses Moses is known as the great deliverer of the nation of Israel. I'm not going to pretend like every single one of you read your Bible and know the story because you know it's not true. So we're going to walk with everybody no matter where you are. No shade, no shame. All right. So Moses, the great prophet, this is before he had done really anything of significance in his life is where our text kind of finds him. This is Moses who, 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 whose mom had kind of like put him in the little river and sent him over. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. 
house. He, by this point in his life, he's done a, a whole lot of things. But, but Moses is now, Moses is now uh, having a conversation, uh, having a conversation with God. Um, Moses is the extension of God's delivering power. You can't talk about Moses and not realize and acknowledge that God is a deliverer. God is one who brings freedom to people who are in bondage. Now, this conversation that God enacts, that God initiates with Moses, it's preceded by Moses' burning bush encounter. So in our passage of scripture today, I am not confused. I'm a little ADHD, but this is very intentional. I, we're going to work through this Bible text, but I'm going to kind of back you into this text. We're going to back up and then we're going to go forward. Is everybody good with that? I just want to lay it out. You look like studious people. You want to know where we're going and what's happening? I'm letting you know. All right. So, so, so this conversation, this interaction where God calls Moses to be a deliverer, it's preceded by a burning bush encounter but then that burning bush encounter is actually preceded by Moses serving his father-in-law by the name of Jethro everybody say Jethro so Moses is serving Jethro. And let me be clear, there's nothing glorious about what Moses is doing serving Jethro. He's playing with stinky, smelly sheep on the backside of the wilderness. That is the, that's the picture of what his glorious, like, serving opportunity, uh, uh, what his glorious serving opportunity is. But, but, but I love this because God has a way of revealing his secrets to his servants. Yeah. Servants get God's secrets. You don't believe me? What about, what about whenever Jesus turned the water into wine? Don't you think the servant saw something that nobody else saw? Whenever he just says, all right, water into wine. They were right there, ready to serve. They got the inside view because God reveals his secrets to his servants. See, this is why, this is why you're always so encouraged. Like, hey, join the serve team, the nation's church. Hey, like, come on and serve. Oh, 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 there you are. We're alive now. All right, all right. So, 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 so people are inviting you to serve. It's not a self-serving situation. It's an invitation from God so that you can be one of the ones that he begins to reveal his secrets to because servants get the secrets and as long as you sit on your hands and say no you will be out here wondering what God is doing okay God doesn't need you and God doesn't need me God wants us God desires us say no decline and he'll delegate it to someone else refuse and he'll replace because he's God. He does not need us. It's an honor to do anything in the house of God. Are you kidding me? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than serve in prominence and prestige on the stages and in the house of the world. It's an honor to do anything in the house of the living God. Can I get a good amen? So, so, so he goes from serving Moses and, and he steps right into divine encounter with the most high God. And let me be clear about something, because sometimes whenever we retell the story of our interactions with God, somehow we sometimes get it twisted. We're like, we, somehow we think that we're the main, like, character, and we are supporting actors and actresses at best. Like, God is the main character. You didn't find God. God's never been lost a day in his life. Uh, God found you, yeah. right? <laughs> like, God initial. Oh, I found God. No, you didn't find him. You didn't just, oh, I found God. No, no, no. You, he found you. He yeah. located you. He pursued 
pursued you. He called you by your name. He revealed his goodness to you in such a way that you finally responded. Amen? You and I both. And, and so, so Moses, I need you to understand this. Moses didn't do anything to find God. Moses is out here serving Jethro. He's in the wilderness and he's just walking along, him and his weird sheep. And he's just playing with the sheep and he's feeding the sheep. He's protecting the sheep. And all of a sudden he sees uh, a burning bush. Now, to be clear, there was nothing really supernatural about someone finding a burning bush in the middle of a wilderness. It's quite hot. There are a lot of bushes, arguably, that would have been on fire. The thing about this bush is that it was burning, but it was not consumed. <gasps> so Moses looks at this bush. He's like, something different is happening today. <laughs> Me and the sheep are seeing something that we have not seen before. Bah, you know, the bah. And, and, and he, sees this, he, sees the, he sees the bush, and, but the bush is not being consumed. I love that he didn't do anything to be found. In the same way, you didn't do anything for God to find you. There's nothing you or I could ever do to earn this thing called grace. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he gave his life for us well before we ever did anything to approach God. God approached us. God called us by name. Now, here's what Moses did do. Moses responded. He says, whoa, this bush is not burning. And the Bible says this. Moses drew near to God. Exodus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And Moses said, I will turn aside. Moses said to himself, you ever talked to yourself before? You're in good company. <laughs> I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not being burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, it's twice for emphasis added. Anytime you see words repeated in scripture, it's not because it was actually repeated. It's for emphasis. It'd be like Moses. So they write it twice. So you get the feel of the intensity through which the, the, the uh, or of which God was speaking. So Moses and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are now standing or you're standing is holy ground. Moses drew near. Moses took a step towards God. I love this because in the first moment, all Moses had to do was take a step in God's direction and God begins speaking. Did you know this? Once God initiates with you, he's only looking for a step. You don't have to do a hundred things right. You need to do one thing right. Turn and say, God, I acknowledge the reality of who you are in my life. I am telling you, there are a number of you both online and in this room whom God has been allowing burning bush things to happen in your life. He's been sending people to you. He's been speaking to you in nighttime seasons and dreams. He's been speaking through circumstances. And some of us have been so haughty and arrogant to actually think that all the things that are going right in our life is actually the result of us. You're not that good. <laughs> Neither am I. It's the kindness of God, the Bible says, that draws men to repentance. So don't get it twisted. It's God being kind, saying, hey, I'm allowing a bush to burn and not be consumed in order to provoke something in you that says, oh, maybe, just maybe, God wants something out of my life. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to speak 
to me in a significant way. There are a number of you who feel as though you're not worthy or you're not good enough for God to actually want to have a conversation with. And the devil is a liar. Don't believe his lies not one more day. You, sir, are exactly whom God has been speaking to. Ma'am, God wants to have a conversation because nothing great that God ever does through people begins before a conversation starts. One in which he initiates. He'll tell you, hey, I want you to begin praying about this situation in an intentional way. Hey, I want you to lay down that activity because it's not honoring me. Hey, it used to be cool, but I'm not good with that anymore. Hey, I want you to step into this relationship. Hey, I want you to let that relationship go. Hey, I want you to actually move forward on this business deal. Hey, I want you to actually use your hands to begin serving in a very practical way in your local church. But God, it's inconvenient. But yeah, I want you to do it anyway. Am I in charge or are you in charge? I'm just wanting to know. Like, am I king or are you king or queen? I just want to know. Who's on the throne of your heart? And there is something about Moses that said, okay, I'll, I'll draw near. And the moment he says, God begins to speak to him, Moses, and he begins to reveal an assignment and a plan. And it's the same way for each of our lives. Moses, in one moment, leaves the mundane and he moves into the miraculous presence of God. It's interesting here. What intrigues me about this text the most is that it's the holiness of God that he touches first or really that touches him. He takes a step, turns, takes a step, and then God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Don't take another step with those sandals on. For now, where you are standing is holy ground. Out of all the aspects of God's nature and character he could have revealed, it was his holiness that touched Moses first. It's the same way with you and I. If we're going to have a God encounter, if we're going to draw closer to God, we've got to understand the holiness of God. And you want to know what that is? And its most simplest definition is this. God is altogether different from anyone or anything you've ever experienced or anything you have ever known. And he needed Moses to know it. I'm not like these little play pretend gods that all these other nations have been talking about. I am a God who sits on a throne called heaven. Earth is my throne. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. I am the uncreated God who literally spoke and galaxies came out of my mouth. This is who I am Moses. I am a holy. You've stepped into the presence of holiness. And God. And what does Moses do? Takes off his sandals exactly what God told him to do. Obedience is required here, people. So he says to him, you know what? My holiness begins, or God's holiness touches Moses' life. Moses' life. So Moses' dialogue with God ensues because now God has given Moses instructions to free the Israelites from a powerful ruler. And it's really a bit of a negotiation for those of us who know the story, we've just kind of read it like God tells Moses, go talk to Pharaoh. And we have this image or this perspective around where like Moses was like, all right, sir, yes, sir, here we go. I'm going to go charge the man. No, it was hardly that. Moses begins a negotiation with God. It's really revealed in the Hebrew text, the original language. Moses is like, all right, God, uh, like, let's say... <laughs> One word to go to Pharaoh, i.e. one of the most powerful men on earth. And let's say one went to this, like the people of Israel. Who would one say sent one to said group of people? That's more so how the conversation went between Moses and God. And God's like, uh, say, I am that I am. Hebrew word there is a yeah. 
say that, hey, yeah, sent you. And Moses is like, uh, I am who I am. God was very, very intentional and very, very specific. Tell them I am that I am and I will be who I will be. That's who sent you. And so, so that's in verse 14. So, so it's hotly debated as theologians and scholars have wrestled with the complex uh, Hebrew word or this phrasing. But, but here's what I need you to take away today. More is involved here than sort of just this abstract defining of who God is. The eternity of Yahweh. The being of Yahweh involves an ongoing, continually acting God. it's, It's this idea, what God was saying in saying that I am who I am, it's ultimately where we kind of get this phrasing, Jehovah or Yahweh. There's this long, complicated process of how to get there. It's actually connected to God's name, Adonai. We don't have time to unpack it all, but suffice it to say what God was saying in revealing himself was I am not just a God who is stoically sitting in the heavens doing nothing. He says, I am who I am and I will be who I will be. And saying that one phrase, what God was saying to Moses is that I am a God who is busy in my existence, meaning I am a God who is always working on your behalf. I'm always working, even whenever it doesn't feel like it. I'm doing things for my glory and for your good. I am Yahweh. Ultimately, I I am the God who is perpetually fighting for you. I'm a God who goes before you. I'm a God who surrounds you. I am a God whose hand is working even whenever you are not. This is who I am. I am the Lord of Yahweh. And I need you to understand this facet of my nature because if you don't, you will think that I'm idly sitting on my hands because you're idly sitting on your hands. Or you will think just because you're busy, I'm busy. But I'm busy just because I'm busy because I'm God and I love you. It's really not connected to what you're doing in your life. How does that touch our today reality? It gives us this God confidence to know God's God's moving on my behalf. I have a friend who wrote a song some, some years ago. And he just says, Yahweh, the God who fights for me. My hallelujah, my soul's reprieve long before my heart believed. Oh, just how far you would go for me. Yahweh, the God who fights for me. I need you to know that there's a God who's fighting for you. And some of you. That's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard reality to receive because you've never really had someone be your defender. So you've had to defend yourself your whole life. And you've had to try to prove your own worth. And you've had to try to fight for yourself. And the Lord Yahweh is saying, don't you understand? I'm a God who goes before you. He put it this way in his word. I'm a God who will lower mountains for you. I will exalt valleys for you. I will take crooked places and I will make a straight path for you to walk on. I will put red seas if I need to for you to walk in the path that I have called you to. Do you not understand? I am Yahweh. But some of us have such a small view of God 
that we'll actually begin to fight for ourselves and think that we have to do it. And God would look at you today and say, are you tired yet? You're making me tired just by looking at all this. By all this. I'm tired. I'm tired for you. He's a God who wants to step into your situation. He wants to march you through your Red Sea. He wants to lead you into the promised land that he has for your life. But make no mistake, he is the Lord of the army. He is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So if he's not leading you, he is sitting back saying, I, I so want to fight for you. I so want to step into you. Would you allow me to? This is our Lord Yahweh. Verse 16 and 17 says, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord Yahweh, the Lord of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. That's a word for somebody here today who has felt unseen. You felt unseen by God. And you've actually quietly prayed, God, do you see what's transpiring in my marriage? Do you see what's transpiring in my home? God, did you, do you see what's going on in my job? Do you see what's going on in my finances? Lord, are you, are you keen? Are you, are you, are you privy to the, to the happenings of the goings on of my life? God, do you see me? And all the while pretending as though everything's okay. And I am telling you, the Lord Yahweh would want you to know, and it's a prophetic word for some of you here today, I have seen you in your Egypt. Do you understand what the people of Israel would have felt in their hearts whenever Moses as a prophet came and said, Yahweh sees you? Actually, that's one of God's other names, Jehovah or El uh, Roy, uh, the Lord who sees. It was actually revealed to Hagar, Abraham's little mess up. <laughs> like instead of waiting and having a child with Sarah and producing Isaac, he has Ishmael and, and, and Hagar goes and Hagar has this encounter with God and she comes out of that situation with the revelation. Oh, he's the Lord who sees even me. No matter where you are, sir, no matter where you've been, ma'am, no matter what you've done, there's a God who sees you. And the seeing eye of God is not here to judge you. And he's not here to put you in a world of uh, like behavioral modification. He needs you to know he sees you and he wants to help you. This is who Yahweh is. Welcome to understanding who Yahweh is. So this morning, three things I need you to know about God. Three things. Number one, Yahweh, our God, is constant, unchanging, and consistent how does that help you well whenever circumstances are changing and the economy is changing and recessions are happening and whatever else is transpired whenever relational status changes or job status changes or finances change he changes not he is Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever I don't know about you but that ups the amount of trust that I can put in Yahweh in Jesus oh Jesus 
you mean to tell me you'll be the same even though people be changing every single day even though I change I don't even know who I am today but God I thank you that I serve a God who will never change he is consistent he is the same every day of my life it makes him trustworthy number two our God Yahweh is perpetually working for his glory and our good so it may not feel like it but he's working he's working mom he's working dad he's working in your family he's working single person he's doing things behind the scene for his glory and for your good he is the Lord Yahweh who fights for you and thirdly I need you to know that God is a deliverer by his very nature he can't help himself he sees bondage and he's like I am the chain breaker by my very nature I want to deliver by my very nature where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and liberty I don't care how long the chain the bondage have been there it is irrelevant to your way all he has to do is speak one word and freedom begins to overtake us that is his intention for each and every last one of our lives he's a chain breaker he's a deliverer this morning church I just want to challenge you never want you to leave nations wondering about well, what is it that God's calling me to do what a great word, but what? <laughs> Let's move on. Now I want to give you three distinct things I want you to ponder on that I want you to actually do this week. Number one, I want you to answer this question. It is not rhetorical. It is not some lofty question for you to ponder for the rest of your life. It's actually very easy. Number one, where should I be serving in the house of God? Because servants get the secrets. Where should I be serving in the house of the Lord? Where should I be serving in God's house? What privilege have I been passing up by saying no to serving God's people in God's house? That's another way you could phrase it if you can. If not, you, you know, you can just go with that first version too. Number two, bottom shelf take, take away. What areas of your life need to encounter God's holiness? Is there... Are there relationships where you're like, "Ooh, I need God's holiness to touch that area because I have not been holy. <laughs> the way that I speak to my boss on the job, eh, minus holiness. <laughs> the way that I've been rearing my children lacks the holiness of God. The way that I've been engaging in my friendships lacks God's holiness. What area of your life has God's holiness yet to touch? And are you willing to give that over to him or no? He'll love you either way, to be clear. But it'd be awesome if you move forward in that. And number three, I need you to remind yourself daily that Yahweh is working on your behalf. That Yahweh is fighting for you. I need you Monday morning, church, to wake up with this phrase in your mouth. I need it to burn in your spirit. Yahweh's fighting for me today. So I no longer need to fight for the approval of man. Help me, Jesus. 
oh I no longer have to try to compete with somebody else in my family or compete with somebody on the job or try to prove anything I have nothing to prove because Yahweh is my defender I don't even have to defend myself because I'm trusting that Yahweh will make it all good in his timing Yahweh will make things right in the timing of God and it is not my responsibility to try to do all of these things Yahweh has called me to be a son or a daughter so I will sit and I will magnify the name of Yahweh I will operate in such a way that says I trust God I trust him just third remind yourself daily that Yahweh is working on your behalf amen thanks for listening to the nation's church podcast for more info please visit nationschurch.com Thank you.